We welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. Yeah, good morning. Good to see you here this morning. If you have a copy of God's Word, let's meet together in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Can we do that? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. It's good to have my wife of 43 years uh, with me today, the mother of our three children, Grammy to our eight grandchildren, and um, the love of my life and my ministry partner, and just a, a wonderful, wonderful gift from the Lord. As your pastor said, uh, we do hail from the thriving metropolis of liberal Kansas. How many of you been to Kansas? A few, all right. Anybody been to liberal Kansas? Yes. We need to talk when this is done. There was uh, these folks here have been to liberal Kansas. They have Spent the night, Katie, many times in the Super 8 and ate at Cattleman's Restaurant. And uh, so uh, they were disheartened to know that it caught on fire here about six uh, months ago. And um, so anyway, they're uh, remodeling that and, and it's all good. Told the folks in the first service this morning when uh, people find out that we're from Kansas, um, they always want to know the same two things. Number one, they want to know if it's as flat as people say it is. And if you've ever been to Kansas, especially the western side of the state where we are, uh, the answer is yes, it is extremely flat. And uh, we like to tell folks you can stand on your front porch and watch your dog run away for three days. Uh, it's that flat. And then the other thing they want to know, always, of course, you got Wizard of Oz and Dorothy's house. By the way, we are the home of Dorothy's house. And you got the Yellow Big Road, got it all. And you got tornadoes. And they want to know, do you have tornadoes? What do you do when you have a tornado? And again, the answer is yes, we, we do have tornadoes. Uh, and when we do, we get in our car and we drive as fast south as fast as we can to AT&T Stadium where the Cowboys play. And we hang out in the end zone because there's never any touchdowns there. And uh, so if you're a Cowboys fan, I know I just lost you. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, not really. I think that's a great joke. But um, anyway, let me encourage you to, um, to come back tonight. Uh, this is going to be a two-part message. Um, honestly, it could be a one-part message, but I figure you'd want to be eating lunch by 2 o'clock this afternoon. And so what I've done is I have taken the advice of one of our dear ladies at home from a few years ago. I showed up on a Sunday morning, and uh, we're kind of out in the foyer waiting for, for things to get started, and very kindly, very graciously pointed out to me, she said, uh, Pastor, you got a piece of tissue on your neck. And reached up there and pulled it off. Sure enough, I did. And so I had to explain to her how it got there. And I told her that earlier that morning while I was shaving, I was thinking about my message and I cut my neck. And so I had to put that on there and tried to stop the bleeding and I just forgot to take it off. And 
So we went on about our, our day, and that morning after the service, we were out in the foyer, and she comes to up to me, and she says, Pastor, I've got a great idea for you. And I said, all right, let's hear it. I guess maybe she thought I preached a little long that morning, and she said, how about next Sunday, instead of thinking about your message and cutting your neck, she said, why don't you think about your neck and cut your message? <laughs> Okay, so uh, anyway, I cut the message, and uh, we'll do the other part of it tonight, and I really hope that, uh, that you will, will be back with us this evening. I want to begin our time together this morning like this. Uh, there are three basic problems that are common to all of us. It doesn't make any difference who we are or where we're from or how old we are, how much life experience we have. Uh, these same three problems are common to us all. They are sorrow, sickness, and suffering. And as long as we live in this broken world, we're going to have to deal with all three of those things. Sometimes we will deal with them indirectly as they come into the lives of of folks we know and love, and no doubt you've encountered uh, people that you know and love who have uh, suffered a great loss, and uh, they find themselves in the, the throes of, of grief and sorrow, and, and so often, if you're like me, so often you don't know what to say, uh, and, and, and sometimes in that, that awkward moment when we don't know what to say, Man, sometimes we say some of the silliest things. Um, and, and I just want to put in a little plug for this book uh, this morning. These are a, a book that the Lord allowed us to, uh, to get published a couple years ago, How to Get Through What You'll Never Get Over, Walking Through Grief by the Grace of God. We've got some in the foyer there. They're, they're $5. And they have, have been a tremendous resource for a lot of reasons, but one of the things that, that people have texted me and emailed me and messaged me uh, about this book is this. They said, Brother Prater, it has allowed me to approach people who are grieving without being awkward. And they say something like this, I have never experienced what you're experiencing, but we had a, a pastor and his wife in our church recently who have gone through what you're going through. And the Lord allowed them to put some, some of their lessons and thoughts in this little book. And I just want to give this to you. If you get a chance to read it, hopefully it will be a blessing to you. Isn't that so much better than, than saying, well, God needed another flower in his garden or God needed another angel in his choir or something corny like that? Um, so if, if you uh, struggle with that like I do, uh, maybe pick one of these up and it'll be a blessing to you. So sometimes we're going to come in to contact with those things indirectly. But then unfortunately, there may come a time in, in your life, as there came a time in our life, where we deal with it directly. And such was the case with our family uh, back on February the 6th of 2018. It was a Tuesday night. It was between probably 7.30 and 8 o'clock. 
I was sitting up in bed in our bedroom. Katie was sitting out in the living room in the recliner. I had my cell phone on the bed beside me, and it rang. And I looked at it, and it was Sheena. Well, that's our daughter-in-law. And she, she never calls me. She calls Katie. And so my first thought was, well, it's TJ. And he's left his phone in a deer stand again somewhere, and he doesn't know which one, so he's using Sheena's phone. And so I answered it, and it was Sheena. And she said, is Katie there? I said, yes. This time she said, would you get her? I need to talk to you guys. And so I put the the phone on hands-free and walked out into the living room and through her tears, the first three words that we heard Sheena say was, TJ is dead. TJ was our oldest son. He was 35 years old. He was killed in a, just a freak accident while he was working on his pickup in his driveway. Left behind his beautiful wife, Sheena, and our three gorgeous granddaughters, uh, Mallory Page, Ellie Grace, and Callie May. At the time of their dad's death, Mallory was seven, Ellie was three, and Callie May was just six months, almost ready to turn seven. Not long after TJ's death, Katie and I began to pray that God would bring someone into Sheena's life not to replace TJ. There'll never be another TJ, not in her life or in our life, but to bring a man into her life because we really felt like she needed a husband and we really felt like those, those babies needed a daddy. We prayed that God would bring someone into her life that loved him and would love them and lead them in the Lord and, and pretty much just pick up where TJ left off. And it's really an amazing story of how God brought Derek and Boston into Sheena's life, into the lives of our granddaughters. Um, he's, he's just loves them and they love him. And, and we're just so very thankful for that. And honestly, this morning, I wish there was so much that I would love to, to stand here and, and tell you about our son and just brag on our son. Uh, but to be honest with you, at the time of his death, um, and I mean this with all my heart, he was everything that a Christian mom and dad could possibly hope one of their kids would be. He loved the Lord loved his church, served in his church, loved his family, loved the little community that they lived in. Um, he was an outdoorsman. He, he was part of the uh, Midwest Whitetail Pro staff. He's part of the Great Plains team. He was a very avid uh, bow hunter. Um, he was all into that. Uh, he was a successful businessman. I mean, really just, he was just an all-around good guy. And he was just one of those guys, and maybe you've known some of these people, he was just one of those guys that when you met him, you just fell in love with him. He just had that kind of personality and just that kind of spirit about him. So needless to say, that night in February changed our lives forever. Our lives will never be the same. And though the initial brokenness of our loss 
has subsided. The shock waves of pain are something that, that we still experience. And in some ways, we'll experience for the rest of our lives on days like Thanksgiving and Christmas and Mother's Day and Father's Day. We'll experience them every December 3rd. That's his birthday. And every February the 6th for the rest of our lives. Let's get into our text this morning and uh, read what Paul has to say here. It'll be a familiar passage to many of you. And then hopefully be able to share some things with you that will be a help. And then again in the evening service. Paul writes, he said, It's not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. He said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knows. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet not of my yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing, this thorn in the flesh that Paul mentioned, he said, I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And here was God's answer every time, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, Paul said, then am I strong. I want to give you three thoughts real quick this morning about how to get through what you'll ne never get over. And the first one is simply this, you don't have to get over it. A good friend of mine, Brother Dean Herring, pastored for years in Georgia and now pastors in Kuna, Idaho, also suffered the, a tragic loss in his family, in his life. It was the loss of a, a grandson. And I remember shortly after Brother Dean found out about our, our tragedy, he messaged me, and it was a very short message. He said, Brother Bill, I just want to share three things with you that I think will help you. And here's what he shared with me. Number one, he said, you don't have to get over it. Number two, he said, you can't get over it. And number three, and this was probably the most encouraging, he said, God doesn't require you to get over it. Now, there may be people around you and people in your life who think you need to get over it, but they just don't understand. They just don't understand. Think with me for a moment. Let's assume this morning that 
Paul received this thorn in the flesh that he spoke of at the time or shortly after the time that he received those wonderful revelations mentioned at the beginning of our text today. That would mean that by the time he wrote this second letter to the Corinthians, that he had dealt with this thorn in the flesh for 14 years. And I stand to be corrected this morning, but I, I do not read anywhere in the Scriptures where God ever took that away from him. I think that if we, if it had been taken from him, that Paul certainly would have rejoiced and thanked God for doing it. But I, I don't read that anywhere in the scriptures. And so I think it's safe to say this morning that whatever it was, Paul had to live with that for the rest of his life. He never got over it. The concept of getting over it is a misleading and empty expectation. Think about this. We get over breaks and sprains. We don't get over amputations. Not too long ago, I was mowing my grass as I do every week, and I was just mowing along. I had my earbuds in. I was listening to music. I was just enjoying the day, very relaxing. I enjoy mowing the grass, and so I was having a good day. When all of a sudden, I mean, out of nowhere, I, I just happened to step wrong, and I twisted my ankle. And I mean, I twisted it bad, so bad that I instantly went to the ground, and it hurt. And I'm, I'm there whining like a 62-year-old little baby because a 62 years old, you shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. And so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm grabbing my ankle, and I'm rocking back and forth, and, and, and I'm, I'm waiting for somebody to feel sorry for me, and there ain't nobody around. And so I'm just whining about it because it hurt. I'm serious. I'm telling you, it hurt really, really bad. But eventually, I was able to get up, and though I limped at first, I just kept walking around the yard, and after a minute or two, everything was fine. I got over it. I finished mowing the grass. Everything was great. I thanked my wife for being so kind and compassionate and coming out there to my rescue. No, I didn't do that. But let's, let, let's say this. Let's say that I got a, a cut of some kind in my foot, and it got infected, and that infection began spreading up my leg. And the only way that they could save my life was to amputate my leg just above the knee. How many of you would agree with me this morning that that's not something that I could just walk off? That's not something that I could just shake off. As a matter of fact, that's something that I would never get over because I would have to live with that for the rest of my life. Every single morning, I would wake up looking at a nub. Every morning, I would wake up realizing that a part of me was gone. I would never get over that. A loss like the one we have suffered, and some of you perhaps have suffered, or perhaps some people you know have suffered, 
That's an amputation. A part of us is gone. And we are reminded of that every single day of our life. We will never get over that. I heard it explained this way. We don't, we don't look at the people around us who are experiencing life's joys and tell them to get over it. For example, let's say some friends of yours are, are blessed with the birth of a child. So you go to the store and you get a card and you write a nice note in there congratulating them on the birth of their child and you give them that card. Let's say five years later, you're standing at your kitchen counter and you're going through the mail and, and you, you come across the card and so you open that card and you look in the card and it's an invitation to that, that, that child's fifth birthday. Who's going to look at that card and say, are you kidding me? Another birthday? This is like five in a row. Okay, you got a kid. We get it. You've had him five years. You really just need to get over it. Who does that? We don't expect people to get over the birth of a child. So why should we expect them to get over the death of one? Or to get over any other tragedy as far as that goes? Helping others understand, which is what we we're trying to do, helping them understand that they don't have to get over it will deliver them from the unrealistic expectations of people who mean well but have never walked their path. A man by the name of Jerry Sitzer lost his wife, his daughter, and his mother all in the same car wreck. And in his book, A Grace Disguised, he writes this, Can anyone really expect to recover from such tragedy? considering the value of what was lost and the consequences of that loss? Catastrophic loss, by definition, precludes recovery. It will transform us or destroy us, but it will never leave us the same. There is no going back to the past, which is gone forever, only going ahead to the future, which is yet to be discovered. Whatever that future is, it will and must include the pain of the past with it. Sorrow never entirely leaves the soul of those who have suffered a severe loss. If anything, it may keep going deeper. I just mentioned my good friend, Brother Dean Herring, on the anniversary, one of the anniversaries of his grandson's death, he he wrote this in his, in his blog. He said, the notion that suddenly or eventually the sorrow somehow dissipates is a fable that has been created by the empty slogans of people who have never suffered deep loss. Why do we feel ashamed of sorrow as though it is some sort of leprous emotion? Why do we hide our tears 
when our Savior wept openly at the death of a friend. The ability to sorrow and weep is a gift from God and is a sure sign of a living heart and a greater love. The pain remains and the tears come like rogue waves. But God has somehow enabled us all to live through the unthinkable. We're here. We live on in our sorrow, and with our pain, we live in his grace. Again, people mean well. Well, you'll get over it. You'll be okay. That tells me right there, that they've never walked that path. And I don't stand in judgment. I just understand. And they'll understand one day. You don't just get over it. You don't have to get over it. But here's, here's, here's the second wonderful truth. You can, listen, you can get through it. You know, sometimes people speak of someone getting over a, a loss as, as though they're supposed to just move on like it never happened. You know, just kind of shut the door behind you and, and do your best to just pretend the pain away. Can I tell you this morning, it's not that easy. And that's not what I'm talking about. When I talk about getting through, here's what I'm talking about. Getting through a loss is about that time that eventually comes when someone accepts the horrible event that brought them so much grief and sorrow. And with the Lord's help, they find the strength to move forward in life despite the loss and pain. And can I just add this to that? that? That time is different for everyone. It, it, it just is. I can't explain it. I can a little bit, but it's just different for everyone. Everyone in our family had a different kind of connection with TJ. And so none of us moved through this at the same pace. And that's okay. That's all right. A sense of closure comes when someone finally allows themselves to accept the reality that what was done is done. And nothing will bring back the past or undo the damage. I can't tell you the, the frame of time, but I know there was a good amount of time that I thoroughly expected TJ to call me. I did. I thoroughly expected to get a text from him. You say, that's weird. Maybe, but I'm just being honest with you. I just could not accept the fact that this has happened to our family. These kinds of things don't happen to us. But it did. 
And there came a time, I can't tell you what it was, but there came a time when I realized, Bill, he's not going to call. He's not going to text. He's gone. He's gone. Though Paul never got over his thorn in the flesh, I would submit to you this morning that, that he did get through it. That is, he, he did come to accept it. And he did find the strength to move forward in life in spite of it. And I believe that is borne out in our text at the close of verse 9. But beyond that, it's just borne out in the life of Paul himself. If you know anything about the life of the Apostle Paul, he moved on and did great things for God. Yes, he had to deal with that thorn every single day, but he was able to get through it and accept it. This is what God has for me. This is God's will for my life, so I'm going to accept it. I'm going to move on through it. I'm going to move on with it, and I'm just going to keep doing what God wants me to do. And he became one of the greatest church planting missionaries, if not the greatest church planting missionary in history. So Paul was able to get through it. Now, let me add this real quick, and I'll get to the third point this morning. Acceptance doesn't mean that everything is okay. But it does mean that you're okay. There's, there are still some things in our life that aren't okay. It's not okay that TJ isn't eating lunch with us on Thanksgiving. It's not okay that he's not there at Christmas. It's not okay that he's not getting to watch his oldest daughter cheer or play volleyball or run track not okay. It's not okay that we drive by his, what used to be his barber shop in Winfield, Kansas, and know that it's not anything like it used to be. That's not okay. But we're okay. We are. I mean that with all our heart. We're okay. We have our moments. We always will but we're okay. Why? Because God is helping us move through it. And here's a third, third thought real quick. God is sovereign. And folks, listen, don't, we, we have no reason to be afraid of the doctrine of the sovereignty of God. It's in the word. It's in the book. God is sovereign which means that he has the power, the wisdom, and the authority to do or allow anything he chooses with his creation. Now, here's some, some very practical thoughts about the sovereignty of God. It means that, that he's free to do whatever he chooses to do. It means that he has the right to deal with us any way he chooses. 
Because God is sovereign, He doesn't have to treat us like He treats our neighbors. Because God is sovereign, He doesn't have to treat us today like He treated us yesterday. And then understand this, because God is sovereign, He is not obligated to live up to our expectations or to explain himself. As we look back at our text, Paul knew that at some level, this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, he knew that it was Satan's attack. As a matter of fact, he called it the messenger of Satan to buffet me. But, but he also recognized in a larger sense that what came into his life could only be what God allowed. So if you look at it again, Paul uses the word given. This thorn in the flesh was given to me. So it didn't happen by fate. It wasn't luck. It wasn't happen chance. Paul understood that this is God's divine design. This is what God has chosen for me. Now, let me, let, me, let me throw this at you real quick. This thought of the sovereignty of God is, is probably not something that you want to sit down and talk to a grieving family about in your initial visit. This is pretty heavy stuff right here. I told the folks in the first service this morning, to be honest with you, I would not have wanted a preacher friend to say, now, Brother Bill, you know, you know God's sovereign. He's like, dude, you need to back up or I'm going to throat punch you. I do not want to hear that right now. Even though I know it's true. It's in the Bible. I've taught it. I've preached it. I believe it. But that's not something that you want to throw at somebody right off the bat. But I will say this, the sooner, listen, the sooner that we can come to grips with these truths, the better. And here's why. Because tragedy will challenge everything that you have ever believed about God. I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how mature you are in the Lord. I don't care how many, how many Bible lessons you've taught, how many times you've read through the Bible. I'm going to tell you, tragedy, at least for a moment, will challenge everything you have ever believed about God. And I'm talking some simple things like God is good and God is faithful and God cares. I'm telling you, at least for a, for a moment of time, those things seem questionable. But if you've grounded your faith and your belief in the Bible, listen, though your whole world may change. The truth about God and who He is will not change. 
And that may be the only thing in your life at that time that has any stability to it. But it's always the same. God was good and faithful and caring the entire 35 months, two years, and three days before our son died. And he's still those things today. And church, I don't stand here and tell you that this morning because that's how I feel. Because there are some times I don't feel that way. I'm standing here telling you that this morning based on what I know. I know that God is who this Bible says He is. He's always been and He always will be. And just because we've experienced a terrible situation in our life doesn't mean that God deviated from his character for just a brief moment or that God let life get out of control for just a brief moment. My God knew all along. He knew when that boy was stubborn and wouldn't come out of his mama for like 24 hours. God knew that we were going to get 35 years, a few months and a few days with him. And that was it. Now, I'll be honest with you. Katie and I still grieve the loss of our son. And I, I suppose we always will. But I tell you this this morning. We don't grieve as those who have no hope. Because our hope is in the promises of God. It says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And our hope today is in the truth that as a teenager, our son repented of his sin and called on the name of the Lord to save him. And our hope is based on the surety of God's word. TJ's not in heaven today because he was baptized. He's not in heaven today because he was raised in a Christian home or because he went to a Christian school or because his mom and dad were in the ministry or because he was a good person. TJ's in heaven today for the same reason anybody is in heaven today. And that's because he asked God to forgive him of his sin and asked Jesus to save him. So let me ask you a personal question this morning. Do you know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die? Has there ever been a time in your life when you personally called on the name of the Lord to save you? 
Do you know for sure that had it been you underneath that pickup that Tuesday night in February of 2016, that your family could stand here and say, we know she's in heaven. We know he's in heaven. Because there was a time in their life when they came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Listen, if the death of our son has taught us anything. It has confirmed what James said, that life is just a vapor. David once said, there is but a step between me and death. I'm telling you, it just takes one phone call to change your life forever. One slip of a wrench, one freak accident, and it's over. And if you're here this morning and you don't know for sure that you'd be in heaven today if your life ended right now, we'd love to have the opportunity to help you know that. That's what this church is about. That's what this ministry is about. It's about making sure that people are prepared for eternity. And nothing would honor the memory of our son more than for you to be saved today. So we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. I just want you to understand this morning that, my friend, life is short and death is certain and eternity is just too long to live it without Jesus. So as we have our heads bowed and Christians are praying, let me ask you again, have you been born again? Do you know that you know that you know that you're saved? Your answer may be something like, oh, 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 yes, Pastor, oh, yes, I've, I've prayed many, many times. That, that answer has always told me that that person is relying on the wrong thing to get them to heaven. They're relying on their own goodness and their own ability. You see, what happens is they mess up during the day, and so they get home at night, and now they're worried, well, is God mad at me? Is God angry at me? Is God going to let me into heaven? And so what do they do? They pray again and ask Jesus to save them. And they do that over and over and over again. You know why? Because they're trusting in themselves to get them to heaven. We can't get ourselves to heaven. I wonder if there's anyone here that would just slip your hand up and say, Pastor Prater, I, I'm not sure that I'd go to heaven. 
but I want to know. I don't want my family to have to, to, to question whether I'm in heaven or not. I don't want them to have to worry about that. I want to get that nailed down right now, today. Anybody like that this morning, would you pray for me? Anybody? I understand that a message like this for some can hit really close to home because you've been where we, where we are. And maybe it was a, it's difficult for you to listen to this morning because it brought up so many, so many emotions. Please understand my heart today. I did not intend for that to happen. That, that's not my purpose. So maybe you would come today and you say, Lord, help me. Give me grace. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.